Worried you'll need to babysit your robot vacuum? Think again. Meet Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum with AI-powered navigation to recognize and avoid over 100 objects. It's the winner of five Best of CES awards. And Digital Trend says it boasts almost all the same features as robot vacuums that cost twice as much. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com. That's E-U-F-Y.com. And discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. He kōna e pūrangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. Kia ora, nō mai haramai ki te au hurahanga. Hello and welcome to Our Changing World. Ko klakin kanan tēnei. For quite some time, Antarctica seemed to go against the trend of vanishing ice seen in the Arctic. But that's changing fast. Last year, the most visible and dramatic change was the loss of sea ice. It shrunk to the lowest level in more than 40 years of satellite observations. But the continent is also losing land-based ice at an accelerating pace, particularly in West Antarctica. It's here that an ambitious research project is taking place to investigate how sensitive the West Antarctic ice sheet is to warming. Science journalist Veronica Maduna joined the team for their first field season. We're on our way to the heart of West Antarctica, a place where the massive ice sheet that covers this part of the continent lifts off the land to become the floating Ross Ice Shelf. Our field camp is more than a thousand kilometres from Scott Base, New Zealand's Antarctic Research Station, and during the two-hour flight, the flat ice cape of the world's largest ice shelf stretches in all directions, as far as the eye can see. We're very close to a special place, um, the location where the large thick West Antarctic ice sheet that's sitting on land below sea level starts to float and become the Ross Ice Shelf. And we call that location the grounding zone. That's Professor Richard Levy, a geologist at GNS Science and Victoria University of Wellington, Tehiringa Walker. He's co-leader of a project known as WISE-2C. That's short for sensitivity of the West Antarctic ice sheet to 2 degrees Celsius. The land beneath the West Antarctic ice sheet is an archipelago, a group of islands wrapped in a blanket of ice that dips under the sea between them. This is what makes Antarctica's smaller western ice sheet much more susceptible to warming, particularly in the ocean. In contrast to the much larger East Antarctic ice sheet that covers a high mountain range, some of the fastest melting glaciers are in West Antarctica. One of the unique characteristics of the West Antarctic ice sheet is that it's surrounded by ocean. So it sits on land below sea level, so the southern ocean that surrounds Antarctica is actually touching the edges of the ice sheet um, for a large distance, and it makes the ice sheet very vulnerable or susceptible to changes in ocean heat. We know the ocean around Antarctica is warming, and that warming water is interacting directly with the ice and is potentially going to cause it to melt. Just how quickly and how completely the West Antarctic ice sheet could melt are important questions for climate scientists who are trying to project as accurately as possible how much sea level rise we can expect. A recent study suggested it might be already too late for the West Antarctic ice sheet, but direct geological evidence remains sparse, and this is what the SWICE-2C project hopes to deliver. We're going to make a hole in the ice shelf at the location we're sitting at right now, we're going to make that hole using hot water. So we literally pour hot water onto the surface of the ice shelf and it makes a melts a hole all the way through, 600 metres of ice. 
so that we can then get to the ocean cavity beneath the ice shelf. It's about 50 metres thick, and then we're going to go through that ocean cavity and drill into the seafloor. The reason we're doing that is to try to recover sedimentary records, layers of rock that tell us what the environment at this location was like in the past. We're particularly interested in past intervals of warmth when Earth's climate was warmer than pre-industrial, similar to the temperature we're at today, and as warm as we may head into the future if we don't get our carbon dioxide emissions under control. So we're trying to find hints of the response of this part of the ice sheet and ice shelf to past intervals of warmth so that we can really try to constrain just how sensitive this region is to warming from 1 to 1.5 to 2 and perhaps beyond above pre-industrial levels um, so that we can help better predict how this ice shelf and ice sheet will respond to that amount of warming in the future. Swice 2C is an ambitious undertaking. 50 tonnes of heavy drilling gear and other equipment had to be towed to the side by a convoy of piston bullies. A traverse team was sent out in advance back in November to transport the equipment across the Ross Ice Shelf. It took them more than two weeks to make the journey, but this meant that once I arrived with the scientists and drillers in December, one large tent was already up and warm. Before any hot water drilling could begin, I asked Dr Gavin Dunbar, a sedimentologist at Victoria University of Wellington, Teheringawaka, what we already know about the Ross Ice Shelf and the potential fate of the West Antarctic ice sheet in a warming world. This is my 20th uh, year being involved in Antarctic research, so I first came down as part of the Andrel project 20 years ago, and that had two drill cores that were very successful, and they kind of opened up our understanding of the stability of the ice shelf on the million-year time frame. One of the criticisms, if you like, of of those sites was they're very close to where we have open water now, so it was very hard to tell from the rocks. You could see the ice had advanced and retreated over time, but you couldn't really tell how far it had retreated. So at the time it was recognised that a drill site somewhere more um, proximal to West Antarctica would be ideal. Sort of a hopeful X was put on the map. Uh, about 2009 and said let's drill here but the practicalities of that mean that it's taken us this amount of time to get to the point where we have the drilling technology and the traverse capability. That hopeful X for the best drill spot was drawn at a site known as Cam Ice Stream on Antarctica's Cypel Coast. All right so my name's Tony Kingan or TK everyone refers to me as um, on one of the drillers so this particular project um, it's, it's, is quite a one-off. It um, has its own challenges. We're looking at 600 metres of ice on this one. Um, so the first task will be to actually cut a hole through the yep. ice shelf, which is at its thickest at this part it is, of it. It is, 600 metres of ice. Um, so it's a hot water drill team, which is not my speciality, but uh, the hot water drill team setting up now to start that process, they'll hot water drill through through the ice, giving us a, a hold to the sea below. So you've done this obviously often before, but is this going to be any different? Are you expecting any particular challenges? Um, the unknown really. We don't we don't know what the drilling conditions are going to be like at the it's sea always floor. always surprises possible, right? Yep, yep. And we do have a bit of experience in, in, uh, in sea floor work, but 
we're miles away from where any hole's been drilled in Antarctica. Good morning. Hopefully, by the end of today, we've got a well drilling. plan is for the hot water drillers to drill the primary uh, borehole. So while TK's role is all about drilling the sediment and rock on the seafloor, Jane Chewings, who's also at Victoria University of Wellington, Tiheringawaka, is focused on getting through the ice using hot water. Well, that racket in the background is our... We've got six water heaters, and they heat our water up to 80, 90 degrees. We have something like 590 metres of ice that is floating on top of ocean, um, the Ross Sea, and to access the ocean or the seafloor, we essentially have a hot water boring system. We have water heaters, pumps, a large reservoir of water that we melt from snow initially that is used as seed water um, to bore a well into the ice shelf below sea level. And obviously, if we're hot water boring, we need lots and lots of water. Breakthrough, breakthrough. Newsflash from the Seifel Coast. 586 metres went through. It took a few days to melt a hole in the ice, but the hot water drilling team eventually broke through the bottom of the ice shelf to reveal a shallow ocean cavity. This was the moment the science team kicked into action to take the first look under the ice shelf. We're just going to do a bit more sets up here. Um, stand by. Roger. Ollie Twig is an oceanographer at Niwa, and he was ready to deploy an instrument known as a CTD, which stands for Conductivity, Temperature and Depth. It's a classic way to measure water masses that measures the conductivity, which you can then derive the salinity, the temperature and the pressure, which you then derive to depth. With them, you can pick out certain water masses and you can trace how they move around the world. Here, we can actually see where the water's inflowing from or outflowing from and how fast it's going. So here we are sort of at that last wedge of ocean. There's only how many metres did you calculate? There's 54 metres of ocean below us. So we're technically in the grounding zone, which is where the ice shelf meets the ground. The next step was to start assembling the gear for the geological drilling to retrieve sediment. But it was at this point the team quickly realised that a new material they had planned to use as casing to stop the hole from refreezing had become unexpectedly slippery. This part of the project would have to wait until next summer. Disappointing as this was, the team quickly switched to other methods to retrieve sediment samples, albeit in shorter cores. Using a winch, they lowered a coring tube down the hole, which slid more than half a metre deep into the seafloor, driven by its own weight. Looking good. Here, PhD student Linda Balford talks me through as one of these gravity cores comes back to the surface. Once we get out of the water, which should be... I don't know, around 67 metres on here. We're now at 96. 96! We should see the load come on because it gets out of the water. And from then on, we actually have an idea of whether or not the entire gravity core uh, is heavier than it was before. And especially when it's hanging in the air, I want to go slower because it's easier to bang against the sides of the walls. 
78, Gav. Slow up. I can see it now, but we're swinging around like a pendulum. So if you just bring it up real slow. Okay. One meter. And here it is. And whoa. Jeez, big while the Swise 2C team had hoped to drill deeper and further back in time during this first season, Richard Levy says the sediment samples they did retrieve will provide a glimpse of how West Antarctica reacted to climate conditions during a more recent past. With those samples, with that information, with those data, we'll be able to really understand the most recent history of the region from the time at which the West Antarctic ice sheet was much larger than it is today, um, during the last glacial period when the ice had expanded all the way out to the continental shelf margin, the edge of the Rossi continental shelf, as it retreated as climate naturally warmed and passed over the place at which we stand and moved back about 50 kilometres from where we are. That retreat sequence is captured in the sediments we've, we've actually recovered. So it gives us very clear information about uh, if we can date the sediments, which is, a, which is going to be our next challenge, but if we can date those sediments, we can tell exactly how fast, when the grounded part of the ice sheet retreated from this region. That's really critical information um, that helps us better understand how the ice responds to natural climate warming. A big thank you to Richard Levy as well as Gavin Dunbar, Jane Chewings and Linda Balfour at Victoria University of Wellington, Tehering Awoka, Ollie Twig at Niwa and Tony Kingan from Webster Drilling. I'm Veronica Maduna and you can find out more on the Our Changing World webpage at rnz.co.nz forward slash Our Changing World. But for now, matewa. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.